daily Premier League news and views. This is Football Social Daily. This is Football Social Daily. We are five weeks away from the start of the Premier League season and the transfer market is hotting up. Today on the podcast, it's all about big money deals that are keeping the agents and the headline writers busy and the future of two of football's biggest names coming into focus as well. Gareth Bale looks to have made a call on where he'll be at the end of the summer, whilst rumours around the future of Cristiano Ronaldo seem to be gathering pace as well. Will the Portuguese be leaving Old Trafford this window? We'll discuss his potential destination this summer shortly. There's also loads of other tidbits to get our teeth into, including deals for Liverpool, for West Ham and for Chelsea, as those clubs look to spend a little bit of their TV money on new signings. Nile is offering his two cents for the whole of today's podcast. <laughs> How you doing, Nile? I'm very good. Very good. And offering his Euros, uh, two Euros, it's international man of mystery, Marley Anderson, back from his Greek adventure. Plenty of in-depth knowledge on the Greek Super League to bring us, th- Marley, I assume. Back, ready to go, yes. I've talked to all the chefs. Um, <laughs> oh, no, honestly, I walked in the first first morning and I wore my Newcastle shirt into the into the uh, little buffet thing and straight away the, the, the chef, his face just lit up. And he was like, oh, Newcastle. Is there and a famous like, oh. Greek Newcastle player from the past? I don't I don't think we've ever had one, to be honest. Uh, that's one for me to look up, but uh, I don't think so. Not that I can remember. So what tidbits did you get from the chef in your all-inclusive luxury uh, resort? He, he said, we've got to be top six next season, otherwise the manager's got to go. I was like, Jesus Christ, you're... <laughs> You're as demanding as uh, as anyone else. I no can, wonder they uh, have four managers of. a season per team in the Greek Super <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pressure on Eddie Howe from the Greek <laughs> cuisine. The chefs of Rhodes. <laughs> yeah, Greek yeah, breakfast yeah. chef. <laughs> right. Uh, we're not going to talk about Newcastle from the off. We're going to talk about Gareth Bale and Cristiano Ronaldo. Two massive names in the sport still, even though they're reaching the twilights of their careers. With Gareth Bale, it looks like he's made a decision on where he's going to be next season. It won't be in the Premier League with Spurs, nor will it be in the Championship with Cardiff. I wanted to see him go to Cardiff and play for his boyhood club, but that doesn't look like it's going to happen. Instead, he's off to the LMS to sign up with... Did I say LMS? He did. (laughs) London Midland Service, the train (laughs) company. MLS to sign up with LAFC over there. What do you make of the decision, Niall? Are you surprised that that's where he's going to be playing his football? Maybe not for the whole of next season, but certainly until the World Cup. I wouldn't say I was surprised. I mean, when Gareth Bale was first linked with a move away from Real Madrid a few years ago, when he was injured and the whole Wales Golf Madrid thing came out and the fans and the club weren't particularly happy with, I won't say his attitude, but certainly the way he was carrying Mm. himself at times. He was linked with a massive move to China. I don't know if you remember, it was supposed to be worth like half a million pounds a yeah. week. And everyone was saying, well, what a waste of your, you know, last few years of your career going to China, a league where you're pretty much going to walk all over everyone and, you know, picking up that amount of money. Everyone was saying it was solely for the money. And I remember actually kind of having Gareth Bale's corner on that one because at that point he had won four Champions Leagues. It's now five. And a few La Liga titles. Um, he'd taken Wales to a Euros as well. He'd been a brilliant player for Real Madrid scoring some huge goals in massive games such as a Champions League final there's a famous Copa del Rey goal against Barcelona where he scored a a brilliant goal where I think it was Mark Bartra he just ran on the outside of the pitch he actually ran off the pitch and back onto the pitch to score so he's had some amazing moments there 
And I felt at that point that he didn't owe Real Madrid anything. And that was two years ago. Since then, he's had another season. He's had a loan to Tottenham. He's gone back there. He's won another Champions League. So I think in terms of what Gareth Bale's future holds, I think it's fair enough that he's able to decide. And if he wants to go to America, then so be it. I think the main thing, though, is is the fitness, isn't it, for the World Cup? Wales are in their first World Cup since 1950-something. Yeah, Brilliant achievement. I mean, they're not going to go deep into the competition, but... You... Well, we said that at the Euros. Yeah, but they're just back. not, are they? Come on, they're not. No. I mean, but if they are going to go far, or far for their standards, then Gareth Bale's going to be a huge part of that. And yeah. so, you know, staying fit, keeping fit is important. I think if he had gone to Cardiff, I don't know whether there's a question over the physicality of the championship compared to the physicality of the MLS. And that's no disrespect to the American League. It's just, I think, even though the American League is actually a better standard than people give it credit for, I think the championship's still a better league. Mm. And I think that it's not about going and, and walking all over everyone. It's, I think, going to America, making sure that he can play 90 minutes every game. Because, you know, I don't think he'll play 90 minutes every week for Cardiff because I think the championship will just absolutely batter him yeah. um, in terms of his body and, and his actual sort of welfare. Whereas the MLS, I think he'd be able to play uh, maybe a slightly lesser pace and maybe that will help his fitness in turn for the World Cup. So I think it's a logical decision. I've no idea what the money is, but you know we've seen some players over the years like Beckham and Gerrard go to LA, albeit LA Galaxy. This is LAFC, a different team from the same city. But yeah, I think it's a good move. I, I don't see why it would be a negative switch, to be honest. It's certainly being framed differently, Marley. It's not being framed like the China move was, that it's always greedy, it's for the money, he's saying goodbye to his career because he seems to have this focus on the World Cup. Do you agree that it is all about getting his fitness right? Because I guess the, the clever thing here is with the MLS season as well, it finishes in October, which means he's got a month between the end of the season and the start of the World Cup. So if he has got any niggles from the game time that he has spent, mm. he's got a chance to kind of recover from that as well, unless it's broken leg or whatever. But yeah, he's putting himself in the best possible position to be fit and ready for the World Cup. Yeah, I think it's it makes sense. I think... I don't know. I don't know what this, what Bill's um, sort of mentality is like with whether he wants to. I mean, there was rumours a couple of years ago that he was going to hang him up once he left Real Madrid and, mm. and and leave. And it'd be interesting if Wales hadn't qualified for for the World Cup if Ukraine had beat them. Whether he would have said, "All right, that's enough," because um, I mean, as we've said, you know, LAFC's season finishes in October, um, and the World Cup's finished by Christmas. Will he? Will he just say, "You know what? I'm here at LA for for three months." They've also just signed Chiellini um, and Carlos Vela, um, like re-signed him. So like their wages are, are massive, but you you assume they're sort of massive. So is he just taking the the short term thing, keeping fit for the World Cup, rather than sign up for a long forty six game season with Cardiff playing Route One, getting battered around like Niall said, um, probably getting hoofed out the game by every right back or left back that comes up against him for the for the whole season? Does he want that? Does he does he need that? Probably not. Um, so this, you know, nice sunny beaches of LA would be, be very nice for a, for a nice few months and then can go into the World Cup and, as he does, give, you know, every every last bit of his, uh, his, his being for his uh, his love. His his love is, is Wales, isn't it? You mm. know, he's, he plays for Wales before his club almost mm. all the time. So I can see it being his last, uh, his last hurrah and, and then saying, right, I'm... Don't really need the money. Don't really have the uh, the hunger to come play in the Premier League again. And I'm I'm too good for the Championship and League One and Cardiff and stuff like that. 
maybe he signs six months at Cardiff and then calls it a day mm. after, you know, from January onwards. But yeah, it's um, it feels like coming to the end and he wants to go out after the World Cup and and sort of uh, end it on the highest possible stage, which which is the World Cup for Wales for the first time in 60-odd years. I mean, he is only 32, Niall, so he has yeah. got plenty of football potentially left in him. Do you think we might see him hanging up his boot? I mean, LA have also said, they've said they see this as a long-term deal. So sure. whether there's a conflict there between what LA <laughs> think and what Gareth Bale thinks, who knows? Yeah, I mean, maybe there's a view to some sort of coaching role or whatever but I don't think Gareth Bale has ever struck me as the sort of person who would do his coaching badges and go into management Um, I might be totally wrong people might be listening to this that know his career much better than me and say he's already done three coaching badges or whatever but I just can't see that and it reminds me a little bit of remember when Paul Scholes was coming to the end of his career and he said he'd love to play for Oldham Athletic one day which is his hometown (laughs) club Mm. and he never did he just retired and that was it and then he came back to Oldham as a manager and (laughs) for about eight eight minutes and it didn't really work out and now he's gone back into the into the punditry scene and stuff I'm not saying that will be Gareth Bale's career but it feels kind of similar in a strange way sort of 10-15 years on that someone's kind of almost pining to go back to their boyhood club but football's strange. It doesn't always work out like that. And, you know, do Cardiff want to sign Gareth Bale for the final six months? You know, by which point, if he stays two years at LA, he'll be 35, 36. And is he capable of carrying on? Because he's still a forward player. He's not someone like, for instance, Rooney tended to drop a little bit deeper, didn't he? Yeah. He, he went from a centre forward and playing out wide to then he drop into 10. And then almost by the end of his Everton days and his um, DC United days in MLS, he played as a central midfield player. And we're just pinging balls from the centre of midfield. Bale could do that, but I can't see him doing that. He hasn't shown any signs of like dropping into a deeper role or anything. So um, I'm not so sure, to be honest, whether we'll see him at, at Cardiff. But uh, it would be nice. It would be quite a romantic story, wouldn't it, if he ended up back at, at the city that he grew up in? Huge amount of respect if that's what happened. If he ended up going back to his boyhood club and doing it for the club and for the communities around the club. I think it would be a huge move. And same goes for Cristiano Ronaldo, who's the other big name we're going to talk about, because one of the clubs that Ronaldo is being linked with at the moment is Sporting Lisbon, a return to where it all started for him, along with Roma. They've been linked with a move for Ronaldo. Into Miami, apparently that's out of the question now. He said no to Beckham and a move to over there. And the strongest link has emerged this weekend is a potential move to Chelsea that mm. has been suggested and even to the extent Manchester United well sources within Manchester United have kind of come out and dismissed those rumours which I think always has the opposite effect it kind of makes it feel more truthful when a club actually goes to the effort of saying there is no truth in this I don't know why that is but what do you make of all these rumours around Ronaldo Marley I mean is this a player that wants to leave Manchester United and so his agent is generating these stories and linking him to clubs in order to almost manufacture a move? Or is it, very simply, I mean, Ronaldo has made transfer headlines every single transfer window since he burst onto the scene, well, like 20 years ago, pretty much. Mm. He, he, he gets clicks on websites, he sells newspaper copy, mm. and that's why there are always stories and rumours around him. So... Do you think there's any value in the fact that he potentially is looking for a move away? Um, I don't. I don't think so. I think this is probably just coming from his agent, like covering his bases almost. Like, you know, I I, I can't see Ten Hag binning him off because if you get rid of Ronaldo now, like 
you've just put one more thing to do on your plate. Like you need to sort mm-hmm. that that squad needs sorting out anyway. You need fullbacks. You probably need another centre back. You desperately need a midfield. You probably need a modern goalkeeper if you if you're looking at De Gea and thinking currently play a high line with with somebody not quite comfortable with the ball at his feet as as De Gea isn't. Um, so if you then add in, oh God, we need a striker as well, then it it just gives you one more thing to do. So I think they'll keep Ronaldo, but it's you know an agent wouldn't be doing his job if he didn't have a list of clubs ready who who could afford him and want and want Cristiano Ronaldo if uh, he did become available because you need to move quick. I think we've seen that with uh, the fact that Ronaldo almost signed for Man City last uh, last summer, but in the end, you know the the word went out that he was unhappy at Juventus and did want to leave. And Real, um, Man United got the uh, sort of panicked and and got went went and got the money and and sorted it out quickly for his little homecoming. But um, yeah, two years on, it does look a little bit short sighted. But I think you you just give yourself so much more to do. Like they've got so many players they need to sign and they need to sign them quickly because you know you look around the Premier League and there's deals going through everywhere. I think Villa have signed two or three before before they even went on holiday. Um, all the all the squads so. You look at Newcastle have signed a couple of players recently. Um, Everton are making moves. Everyone's doing business. Gabriel Jesus has gone from City to Arsenal. City themselves have signed Haaland and then might be signing Calvin Phillips. And, you know, Man United are there. It's still stuck in the starting blocks trying to sort out what they're doing. So if you they need to sort it out one way or the other. But if Ronaldo goes, you know, I can, I can definitely see him back at Lisbon um, before his career ends because I'm sure there's a quote from his mum saying, like, I want Cristiano to finish his career at Lisbon, but I still think he's got three or four seasons left in him, so I always think there's, there's time for him to go. Uh, when there's almost nothing left in the tank, then you go to Lisbon and say, mm-hmm. and you sell them shirts, and you sell them, you know, the the amount of money that would put into sport in Lisbon would be huge because then they can put that back in their academy and bring through the next Cristiano Ronaldo. So you don't need to do it now when you're sort of coming to the end of your prime. You need to do it when you're 39 and you're going into your 40th year sort of thing, so... Yeah. It's um it's an interesting one, but I can see him staying because he still scored eighteen goals last season, I think, didn't he? And you know, that's n- nothing to be sniffed at in a team that finished with a goal difference of zero. Mm. So there you go. Ten Hag likes a senior player as well. He's got a reputation of putting faith in kind of the older players in the squad as in tandem with bringing through youth, I guess. I guess that's from Ronaldo's point of view, in terms of whether his future is best placed within Old Trafford or outside it. As I said, the clubs say they expect Ronaldo to stay. What that means, I don't know. But what about for Chelsea? Niall, would Ronaldo be a good fit for them, the way they play under Thomas Tuchel? Obviously, Lukaku's now left, so they potentially need to add goals to that team. Well, Ronaldo will add goals no matter where he plays and no matter which team he plays in. You know, Marley's statistic there of 18 goals in a Premier League season in a team that had a dead, dead level goal difference, I think, shows you that. And I think there were two back-to-back hat-tricks as well against Tottenham and Norwich in and amongst that. Some big goals in the Champions League group stages that if he didn't score them, Manchester United would have been out of the competition much, much sooner than they were. So people that say Cristiano Ronaldo has been a problem at Manchester United, I understand in terms of a potential style of play at the beginning of the season under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, which feels like an eternity ago now. Um, I can see why people were saying that, but I just don't see how someone who scores that many goals can it, be considered a problem. That thing reminds me of, you know, when Mourinho said, you know, there's there's problems at this squad, and we all went, well, is there? Like, why is, why is Mourinho being a troublemaker? And then we saw, like, everyone sort of pointed the the finger at Mourinho and said, oh, he's doing it again, he does this all the time. 
And then Ronaldo, it's like the whole thing last season, we talked about it on the podcast and everyone was talking about it. Like, is he more of a problem than he's worth because he was moaning? Mm-hmm. He's not. He's moaning because the team's crap. He knows. He, he's been part of Real Madrid. He's been part of Portugal teams. He's been part of the old United. Yeah. Like, he knows football. He knows this squad's rubbish and he's showing frustration because he wants them to be good. Yeah. It's not a problem that he's got high standards it's your problem that well, you can't it, get to his it high is standards. a problem if you're not going to fix the problem well, then this, he's flagging but how's he got how's he going to fix well, this it it's, it's, up, to, it's up to the club yeah, i think yeah, this is why he's fault. being linked with chelsea though and i think that's why george mendes's agent has been well we know that he's had a meeting with chelsea but that doesn't mean that they're going to sell ronaldo to chelsea or that he's going to try and engineer a move for ronaldo to go to chelsea mm. but i think it could it's have been all, one it, of his other portuguese clients as it well it could be yeah and it's almost one of those where I mean, from what I've read in the newspapers, which you can take or leave a lot of the time when it comes to the English press, is that Mendes is probably meeting these people and putting a bit of pressure back onto Manchester United because Ronaldo, I think, as Marley says, is unhappy with the standards in the playing squad there. And as Marley said again a few minutes ago, they've not signed anyone yet. And I know it's it's more about getting the right person in than rushing but when you see Manchester City strengthening, when you see Liverpool strengthening, these are the two biggest rivals for Manchester United, the two clubs that they want to desperately get back towards. Lukaku leaving Chelsea, that was ruthless from Chelsea. 97.5 million quid. A year later, you've taken a £90 million loss on a player. It didn't work. Ruthless. Right. Chelsea just got rid. And we'll talk about it in a minute. I think they, you know, they might even ditch Werner as well, two years after paying £50 million quid for him. You know, they, they, yeah, so so this is the sort United of United have a history of this though. When you look at things like the Bruno Fernandez deal that took like four windows, or yeah, something ridiculous it, it took to a year like, longer than it should have done. And, and but I think that that was kind of what I was reading in the newspapers. And whether you believe it or not is up to you. But what I was reading was that Mendes has been meeting these different clubs, not necessarily to get Ronaldo out of Manchester United, but to put pressure on the decision makers right. at the club to make signings to improve the squad. So I think that that's what what he wants to see Ronaldo wants to see a bit more ambition in terms of signing players and whether United do um, green light a transfer in the next five or ten days I think that will make a difference and you'll stop seeing these Ronaldo links pop up but that's just my personal uh, opinion from what I've read in the newspapers and you know that that's what they're saying on all the sort of reports and stuff so I think that's more interesting than anything I think it's just a kind of a you know football players particularly ones as good as Ronaldo are so influential these days Mm. You know, almost, you know, we talk about player power a lot. And is it a case of, right, well, you start, you better start signing some players. Otherwise, you know, what what um, incentive is there for me to stay, I suppose? We'll be talking more about Manchester United's transfer activity very shortly and how there might not be quite as much as everyone is expecting. We'll get onto that in a little bit as we look deeper into the other transfer rumours doing the rounds at the moment. We've also got news on West Ham on Chelsea and on a new face at Liverpool. We'll get onto it next on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Welcome back to Football Social Daily. A few interesting transfer stories to discuss with the boys now. Starting at Liverpool and a potential move for Jude Bellingham. He's been linked with a move to the Premier League. People were kind of expecting it to be next summer. Now suggestions are it could be this summer with the 18-year-old coming over from Borussia Dortmund to Liverpool. Can you see Dortmund letting Bellingham go at this stage, Marley? Considering they've already lost Haaland, they've suggested they don't fancy getting rid of Jude Bellingham this summer, but maybe are open to a move next summer. But does it come down to how much cash is on the table ultimately? Uh, I can't see them letting him go this season for just for the exact reason that you've just said. I think to lose two of your big talents, usually Dortmund lose one every year. And in the in the season that precedes the transfer window that he's going to leave, they usually just plan for it. And mm-hmm. and then they can go, well, okay, you, we sell him. The price is 80, 85 million, whatever it is. Or with Haaland, as it was a clause of 65 million euros, I think it was. Um, and then you can go, look, well, all right, so we'll go and sign Sebastian Haller. Yeah, and is that then, done, by the way? I'm not. Is that Haller? Haller to Dortmund. I think so, yeah. Right. Um, so there's your replacement. That's you know that's their business, how, how they work. Um, but Bellingham, it seems too quick. Um, I think Liverpool's a good move for him, to be fair. I think he fits in that, that system perfectly, to be to be totally honest. But, mm. you know, Liverpool don't spend massive, massive... Like, I think, what are we talking for Bellingham? Like 85, 90, something like that. Yeah. And to go 65 on Nunez minimum, which yeah. rising to 85, I think maybe got... even 100 million euro, to then go and spend another similar lump fee yeah. on Bellingham. Because Dortmund won't want that in instalments. They'll want that. Doesn't seem want to fit the model, the yeah. I mean, the only option I can think of, I mean, I, I agree with Marley because Bellingham, you know, if you think about Milner, he's got another year extension, then he'll be gone. Henderson will now transition into that senior midfield player. Mm. So that almost frees up a spot for a younger player to come in. And they do have other players in the academy, but you know, to keep the level that Liverpool have been playing at, they need they need to be regenerative. They've lost Mane, they've brought in Nunez. We don't know how that will go. We don't know how good he could be, but they've already signed Luis Diaz, who's been brilliant, and Jota, who's been brilliant. So actually, in terms of that regenerative process... It does seem it to does be their make model, sense. doesn't it? They have but, a conveyor belt, whereas they've yeah. got someone at this side just as the players are dropping off the end the other side, well, age-wise. But in terms of who's available right now and the options on the table, it, it, could Dortmund even entertain him signing for Liverpool and then just loaning him back for the season? Yeah. It would seem stupid because he's so good he could just come into Liverpool's team anyway. And if you've paid that much money for a player, why not just keep him? But then, if you, know, if you sign a player for that much and then loan him back, I guess Dortmund get... It's the best of both. Dortmund get to keep him. Liverpool get to have him in a year and all other options are off the table. No one can hijack the deal. Liverpool have already Mm. got their man. They just have to wait a year. So I wonder whether that will be an option um, just to sign him and loan him back. But yeah, he's a good player, isn't he? And it would be nice to see him in the Premier League. Are you surprised that City haven't shown more interest in Bellingham? Considering they're signing Calvin Phillips, similar players, but I'd say Bellingham was the better of the two, particularly with Calvin Phillips' recent form. Mm maybe, and younger as well. So, yeah. I mean, City had, do have the cash to spend. And obviously Haaland's former teammate as well. Yeah, I mean, Phillips is the cheaper of the two, I think. Yeah. And uh, knows the Premier League. Played under Bielsa, someone whose style of play Pep Guardiola knows very well. I just think in terms of the way City do their business, it's, I mean, that £100 million on Grealish was, uh, was the, you know, it's the record British transfer. We knew it was going to come one day, 
either from Manchester City or Chelsea. And City, after spending years of buying players for 50 million, 60 million, they've finally gone that step ahead and paid 100 million for Grealish. Um, it would take 80 something to get to, or, or maybe not quite that much. I mean, the Haaland deal had an interesting release clause, like Marley said, so who knows? But, but yeah, I mean, that felt like that has been planned since. Harland went to Dortmund like that uh, uh, that move to Chelsea I think has been sorry that move to City I think was agreed a couple of seasons ago yeah. and they knew exactly what was going to happen they knew the transfer fee they just wanted to uh, in terms of kind of like a f- form of what you said see him continue to develop yeah. being on almost on a loan without it being on a loan yeah. because then the agent gets a bit of extra cash because there's two fees etc and all that kind of yeah. thing I, I feel that Liverpool's a better fit for him it, f- it feels Right. You know, some players, you just think that makes sense. I think Bellingham's one of those players. I mean, he's so young. I mean, I find this quite interesting, really. Like, Sancho is still so young, and it was almost like, well, he needs to come to the Premier League. He needs to... I mean, why? German League's a good league. You know, he can stay there for another two years, then come to the Premier League. It'd be even better. You know, he's still only 19 or something, isn't he, Jude Bellingham? Mm, so yeah, 18. 18, wow. So, you know, there we go. I mean, if he comes to... There's a lot to, of growing to do in there. Yeah, look at, look at Haaland. He's 21 and he's already like a world beater. I mean, if, give Bellingham another two years playing against German clubs, one of the best leagues in Europe, and then bring him to the Premier League. And I bet the improvement you'll see, it would be brilliant. You mentioned Chelsea earlier, Niall. That story, Timo Werner's time at Chelsea, could be coming to an end. Apparently, the club are interested in offering him to Juventus, a swap deal with Matthias De Litt there. I mean, Timo Werner's time at Chelsea has not worked out, Marley. I think it's fair to say. There's been flashes from him that suggest it could have happened, but his inability to stay on side has been a big problem. <laughs> not scored that. a huge amount of goals either. Is there a chance that he could leave Chelsea and he could be the next Mo Salah or the next Kevin De Bruyne? Like the one that got away, that develops into something special that Chelsea let slip through their grasp? Um... I I think it's a little bit late for that to be honest. I think when when um the other two you mentioned there uh left it they were a little bit younger. I think I'm just trying to google how how old Timo Werner is. He's about 25, 26. Yeah, I think 25, yeah. Yeah, or 26. So he's just turned 26. So I mean, if you let him go and he becomes good, he comes back as a 28, 29 year old I suppose, doesn't he? And then mm. you know, you not really miss out on much there, I don't think. So I think he's it's a baffling one because he scored so many goals in Germany and then, you know, none of them were offside. <laughs> and then he just comes... I mean, even his basic finishing was just mm. just lacking. I don't know. Where, I, I, I look at him and I just don't think he's got the confidence to play for play for a club like Chelsea where you, you have to score goals. And I think at Leipzig it was kind of a... Like, it was almost like plucky Leipzig with their, with their team mentality of, like, coming through from... from the chasing pack, whereas Chelsea wanted to be the leaders of that pack, and it was the pace and, as well. Like Werner's fast, yeah, and on the counter attack, all he needed to do was just kind of get to the back post and tap him in. And yeah, I don't know whether Chelsea, Chelsea don't really play that way, from what I've seen anyway. Yeah, I remember watching him, sort of the start of it must have been the start of last season, and uh, watching I watched Chelsea for like the full ninety minutes, and I was specifically watching him because he hadn't made a great start, and I thought, I wonder how he's, wonder how he's kind of playing. Like in terms of how he how he plays, and he was always like every time someone in midfield got the got the ball, he was on the shoulder of the last man. Like just go on, stick it in behind. I'm faster than whoever he was against, Craig Dawson or bloody Jamal Lascelles, whoever. Mm. And he was 
on there and the ball just didn't come because Jorginho and, and Kovacic and Kante were passing it around and building it up and building it up and when you've got a five foot ten striker who's not that good in the air mm. like if you're building it up and getting it out wide like he's not he's not going to do anything that's how Vardy scored so many goals yeah it's just you know get the ball play play direct play and play it in behind for him but when you come to a big big club you know they don't change for you you've got to change to them mm. and that begs the question of you know when when you go to Chelsea and you you sort of um, faced with seven or eight men behind the ball minimum at every point, you know is is a fast striker who tries to get in behind gonna do you any good? Because you know he's not. You see him, he's at his best when he's got space and he's got grass to run into. That's why they tried to play him. They sort of moved him out to the left a little bit more and moved him a little bit deeper at Chelsea, trying to get him some space, trying to find little pockets of, of space where he can affect the game, but. It just hasn't really worked, and mm. I can see him going somewhere and, and being a success. But he needs to pick it right because there's no point going to, going to a team that want sixty five, seventy percent of possession um, and want to build it up the uh, build it up the pitch before getting him involved in something because it just doesn't really fit his style. The transfer the other way could do Chelsea some favours with Matthias De Ligt being the player that they want to look at. I'm assuming it would be a player plus cash situation. Chelsea desperately short of centre-backs at the moment, or defenders of any kind, really. So that's going to be something they need to look at over the summer. The person who is looking at that is going to be different to what's happened before. More and more people connected with the former regime at Chelsea leaving mm. as the weeks go on, Niall. And Peter Cech, or Peter Cech, rather, yeah. is the latest person. He's left the club with immediate effect. Said it was a huge privilege to perform his role at Chelsea. But with his links to the old ownership, it's no surprise, really, he's moved on. What does that mean for the football club? Well, it means someone's going to have to take that spot, as obvious as it is, sounding like Michael Owen there. Um, (laughs) But, you know, it's been a complete overhaul at Chelsea. So Bruce Buck, who's the chairman and has been the chairman of Chelsea for, for, I think, uh, maybe even before Abramovich came in. I'm not too clued up on Chelsea, so you have to excuse me. But he's gone. Marina Granovskaya, the Russian lady who's been there since Abramovich came in and basically worked behind the scenes on all the deals, she's gone. Petr Cech, technical director, he's gone. So you've got this new American consortium that have come in fronted by Todd Burley and they're, you know, kind of making these big decisions. Lukaku, gone. You know, Werner could be off. We could see... Who's a, making these decisions? At the moment? I, 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 is, it, I, I, is it the consortium? I'm what? not sure because I wonder if Cech's now just gone, which he, he's basically been pushed, hasn't he? He's not. I wouldn't say he's been sacked, but they've said, listen, Pete, we've come in and we're changing direction. Okay, no problem. Yeah. Thanks very much. I'll take my bags and I'll go because I think Czech has a lot of respect for Chelsea, and, and he probably would have would have done yeah. that without kicking up too much of a fuss. But yeah, I mean, was it Czech's decision as technical director to get rid of Lukaku? I can't. I can't think it would be for him to make that decision and then four or five days later leave Stamford Bridge. So it's really interesting to, to to see these changes that are tangible at Chelsea at the moment. We said that Chelsea might not be the same again after this Abramovich thing. I was worrying whether they might even have to like miss out a year of the Premier League because that deal was like sort of late when it went through. Mm. But now it has gone through. Chelsea is saved. They've got a club. But I mean, what the, I don't know what the fans are expecting. You know, seeing them linked with Ronaldo, Lukaku's gone, Werner could be off. All of the backroom team are getting turfed out. Um, the only one that seems to be quite solid at the moment is Thomas Tuchel, and you can understand why he's earned credit in the bank because of the, you know the way his team have performed: cup finals, Champions League win, etc. 
So, I mean, I don't know who it replaces the same must football club. It must it be Tuchel making those decisions. It has to be, yeah. has to be. He's the only one. But in, in terms of what fans should expect, it can't be the football club it once was because there are very few people on the planet who can do what Roman Abramovich did in that yeah. run yeah, the club at a loss. Totally ignore Every, the loss. But they've, they've, yeah. already, they've already taken a huge hit on Lukaku. Massive. Mm. I mean, I understand why they've let him go back to Inter, but if I was at Chelsea, but almost the accounts I would before don't matter. I would count now. They need to worry about, and that's what true. they have got off that the is, bill is the wages. That's very true, which is going to be hugely um, important. I mean, it, I, I'm not really sure who could come in and and do the the Petr Cech role, but as you know, Marley will have seen at his club Newcastle trying to get the technical director or sporting director appointment right can take a long time, and also yeah. it needs to be in, it needs to be done well because. You know, you've got Saudi Arabian um, money at Newcastle now, but the lack of football experience is what shines through a lot of the time at these clubs if you don't get the right people mm. in situ. And with these uh, new American owners at Chelsea, they've got rid of someone who does understand the game in Petr Cech and quite a ruthless businesswoman in Granovskaya. And how are they going to replace those figures? They must have someone in mind and they need to get to work soon because... No, like you say, five weeks till the start of the season. I'm fascinated to see how Chelsea look. I was going to talk about West Ham now, only because they're linked with a move for James Ward-Prowse, and I wanted to hear Niall call him a free kick merchant <laughs> again, as he does every time, which makes sense for West Ham, considering how good they are at set pieces. Why not bring in a free <laughs> kick merchant and find the head of Thomas Suchek every single time? I'm not going to talk about it purely because I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, looking at some of the rumours that are coming out over the last hour or so, West Ham moving closer to an actual deal for Jesse Lingard, and I think if they can get that deal over the line, Ward-Prowse is kind of an afterthought after that. And with 75 million quid, the rumoured transfer fee. Yeah, I might even be more. I think I saw Ralph Hasenhutl say once that they would want 100 million for James Ward-Prowse and nothing less. Yeah, which isn't how no one's spending 100 no. million quid for James Ward-Prowse. But West Ward-Prowse. Ham are a better club and a better side than Southampton, so you know I can see why that move would appeal to a player. So I'm not going to talk about that anyway. I'm going to move on from that because I want to talk (laughs) instead about Manchester United again because we were talking earlier about their need to start doing business. The Sun are reporting that Ten Hag is only, inverted commas, going to have £100 million to spend to rebuild his team this summer, Um, which I guess most of that would go on De Jong. If that transfer happens, that's got to be... 60-70% 60-70% of that transfer fee. I mean, it doesn't feel like a pit, pittance Nile. It feels like a decent wedge, that. But is it enough to fix the problems at Manchester United? 100 million quid? Um, Not with the way this market is going at the moment, with what we've seen. You know, Nunez was 64 million for Liverpool. Manchester City are going to spend probably about 85 on Haaland and Calvin Phillips. So, you know, two players. You can get two players for 100 million now. United, I think, need mm. more than two players. Definitely need a central midfield player. So that's where De Jong comes in. I think Matisse de Ligt has been linked with Manchester United as well in recent times. Former Ajax defender who plays for Juventus. They need defenders as well. Marley said earlier they need fullbacks. They need another centre forward. You could obviously add the transfer income they're going to get from Phil Jones onto the 100 million. So that makes it 101 million. <laughs> so it's a bit of extra money. Yeah, I mean, think 100 million. You could buy 100 Eric Cantonars with that <laughs> from back in the day. Imagine how much. 11 of them. You'd need 100 yeah. in your squad because half of them would be kung fu kicking fans and getting banned. So by the time the end of the season came. But uh, yeah, I mean, 100 million. If you're shrewd, it could be 
it could be a game changing um, fee in terms of the players that they sign. They sign under the radar players, players that can come in and make a huge impact. Like, I mean, what was Bruno Fernandes cost in the end? I can't remember what he cost. Sixty-eight. Was it that Sixty was it that much? So, well, yeah. he came in and had an immediate impact. So if United spend that and, and drop that money on De Jong and he comes in and he revolutionises the midfield, it would look like a good deal and it would look like it was worth it. They've obviously got Pogba wages, which have been freed up as well, even though they didn't get a fee for Pogba. They've still got those wages that are, that are useful. So, yeah, I mean, I think that they need to be really smart. I think John Murtagh, the, the technical director there, needs to be really shrewd and astute with his signings, to be honest, because, as Marley says, they need players in a number of positions. What does the manager want? Is he happy with the forward line? Is he happy with the attack? If so, the focus must be on the midfield. I think that the most important thing is midfield, then defence. I think that's important. Um so yeah, I mean, I mean, De Jong's one that's been linked. United need a new midfield desperately for me, and so if they get, can get two midfielders for a hundred million pounds, that will be able to to change the way that they play and improve them for next season. Then, then maybe that is enough. I don't know. It's all about being smart. Mm. But I just, I just don't see how one hundred million. If we were talking about this five years ago on the podcast, we would have said that's loads of money. They'd be able to get three players for that, four players for that. But now. One and a half players cost you 100 million. That's the I way mean, it's going. I joked about Phil Jones bringing in some transfer funds, but there are players in that squad that we expect to leave that will bring in money, like the likes of Martial and Pereira being linked with a move away. Juan Matters, I, I think his contract's up as nice. I was going to say the wages. opposite to that, though. I don't think there's, there's many sellable assets at Man United who can bring you. Like, how can you raise another hundred million? For example, like hundred million, we've just said it isn't enough. Sell Eric yeah. Bailly to but that's Newcastle. The, that's, but that's the frustration, <laughs> you know I mean? isn't it? That's there's the frustration. No Lingard should have gone to West Ham in January for twenty million pounds or whatever it was, yeah. or last summer, and they've let him go for nothing. Pogba, yeah. they've let go for nothing. Phil Jones is free con- up wages. Isn't his contract up? Phil Jones or something soon? No, it's not this summer, but I think it may be in but, the next couple of years. But Eric Bailly, as you said, signed a contract extension at the end of last season. Yeah. So he's got he's got time left. Matt has gone on a free. So you're talking about wages that are being freed up. Talking about loaning Henderson as well. Like, yeah. You might as well just sell him. You need the money. So, yeah, I mean, who knows? Who knows? It's it's really... Chelsea and Manchester United this season, in in five weeks' time, we'll see um, just how different things could be there. You know, new, new manager at United, new regime at Chelsea. Um, I just I just wonder what next season's going to look. I think it could be really exciting with the new players we've got in the Premier League and the kind of uncertainty around some of the clubs. It's hard to really make a prediction at this mm. point. Does that lack of resource, Marley, alleviate pressure on Ten Hag, whether it's from the bosses or whether it's from the fans, if he's not spending huge sums of cash, if he, cash, if he has got 100 million quid to spend, does that mean expectations will be tempered as well and suddenly the objective for Manchester United becomes top six? Uh, I don't think it will, no. Because, I mean, as soon as he, you know, if he loses two of his first three games, he'll be get, getting called. You know, when you order Pep Guardiola from Wish and he turns up or whatever, you know, <laughs> it, he'll, be getting, he'll, get, he'll be getting mad stick. But there will be reason behind it because the reason is money like that aren't, aren't good enough and they need a lot of work that you can't physically do in one summer, especially when you've only just arrived through the door. Um, so I, I always think the... the um, the expectations are going to be huge at Man United, but I think that there's a difference between sort of there's fans that know that it's going to take time, and there's fans that think, "Oh, we, we you know, we were brilliant. Why can't we be brilliant again?" But it takes time, and you know, to ask Miracle, I think he said it in his interview, didn't he? Like, I'm not a magician, you know, I can't just mm. 
make this squad incredible. Like he almost basically said, the squad's a bit rubbish, but I'm going to start at the bottom and and work my way up and see who's who's up for it and who we can get in the in the window and things like that. But that hundred million's got to be like a starting point for them. They've got to go and sign the players that they need the most and and spend that the bulk of that budget on what they need the most. In my opinion, that's defensive midfielders. Um, they've got plenty of attacking options, but nothing to to transition. And there's no chance creation coming from deeper positions. So go and sign Neves. Go and sign De Jong if you can get him, and then go from there and 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 build towards January, and then build towards uh, next summer as well. Feels like there are plenty more deals to be done at clubs right across the Premier League. Like I said, five weeks to go to the start of the season. There's going to be a lot of transfer activity between now and then. You can keep up to date with all of it on Football Social Daily. We will have three shows a week for you until the start of the season when we'll be back to seven shows a week. Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk.